Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Lori H. Schwartz, your tech cat here, and we are on the show floor of Augmented World Expo, and I'm talking to Max Daves. Doys. Doys? Max Doors, like the band. Oh, Max Doors, like the band. But where are the R's? <laughs> Silly spelling. D-A-W-E-S. And Max is with Zapper. And can you tell us all about what Zapper is all about? Absolutely. Well, the clue's in our name, really. Uh, so the, the middle bit of our name, the app bit, we have our own app. And we can also embed our technology into third-party apps. The last two bits of our name, the AR, augmented reality, we are AR specialists. We've built our AR tech from the ground up. So two of our founders met whilst they're at the University of Cambridge, and they've built um, a tech stack on which we have created Zapworks, which is our AR content creation tools. And we use those tools on behalf of our customers to build AR experiences, but also an ever-increasing cohort of developers use Zapworks themselves to build their own uh, Zaps, which is the first reality of our name. So an app using AR that lets you zap stuff. Oh, fun. Okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> so can you give a specific use case, um, you know, a client, and take us through how they used you guys? Yeah, well, the one that's top of mind for me is uh, 7-Eleven, because uh, I'm here uh, in the States, and we have a, a campaign with 7-Eleven Live at the moment uh, in all their stores where they have interactive point of sale, um, and you can download the 7-Eleven app, you can scan the codes on the point of sale, and then you can unlock different interactive AR experiences. So some of them are photo taking, where it's Deadpool writing on your face, or like Deadpool angel and Deadpool devil kind of dancing around your face. Some of them are more mini games, where your one uh, is a 360 gyro experience, where you have to kind of spin around and pop the right color balloons. Another one uh, is uh, kind of watch the cup, and you have to see where the unicorn is, and Deadpool's trying to trick you. And this is all about creating retailtainment experiences so uh, adding adding value to, to your visit to 7-Eleven um, as the tech is downloaded in their app it's, it's driving downloads of their own app um, so it's about footfall app downloads loyalty retention engagement I could go on <laughs> and, and um, in terms of though how you're helping uh, you know clients do this because they they don't want to have to build from scratch so your solution helps them get to making the stuff or are you guys the ones making the stuff both and that's I mean on our website we describe ourselves as a creative business and an AR software platform rolled into one I think we're in quite a unique position in that way we've built software for creating AR which we use ourselves in house and we've got 45 people in London who are doing that Uh, and then we have this group of developers who are also using Zapworks and also creating epic content and together we're kind of you know honing the tools and they'll let us know which features they really want and our internal devs will say wouldn't it be cool if we can do this and so yeah we have those those two parts to our business so so both sides and are you noticing any trends in this space right now you guys have been at this for how long we've been at it for seven years (laughs) Um, and it's been quite a journey and I mean no longer do we have to explain what AR is anymore, so that makes the conversation quite a lot shorter. Um, although that was always e- easier when you could just show someone and they were like, oh my God, what is that? Right, right. Uh, so, we, I mean, we're, some of the trends we've noticed are there's a lot more pull 
coming from the market, particularly from senior marketers who are you know, seeing this as a more strategic play now and it's less tactical. Um, we are seeing people take a, a kind of longer term approach to it and, and thinking about it kind of as part of their commercial and marketing strategy. Um, uh, so I think the, sort of the general awareness trend um, has been really good for the industry. Um, and things like Pokemon Go, and if you talk to real kind of AR purists, they'll say, Pokemon Go isn't AR, it's just a really good map system, and the AR is just a tiny bit of it. But it even just popularized the name, and it, it made it something that you might do outside and social and... You know, we're seeing kind of exponential interest. Uh, it's a very exciting time for the industry. And um, are you also noticing that people are getting a little, uh, a little more exciting about how they use AR? So it's not so, so gimmicky, but maybe it's more educational, or maybe it's a direct response to actually play against a larger marketing strategy. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would echo that completely. I mean, there, there will always be a role for that surprise and delight part of AR that's going to... Surprise and delight. Yeah, yeah, the kind of, you know... Sounds like ice cream. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could work, work very well off some ice cream packaging. But that kind of, you know, the face filters and the fun photo taking in the games, there will always be a role for that. Uh, but we're definitely seeing a move towards, you know, thinking about other stages of the consumer journey. So most famously the Ikea place where you can see furniture in your home and that kind of active consideration part of the consumer journey you know, people that uh, are also using it at the next stage of it and actually buying stuff in AR so the sort of virtual try on and then tapping straight through to a purchase and, uh, so yeah I think that kind of move from surprise and delight to utility is, is quite a quite a quite a global trend within AR but there's definitely a role for both. Is there a region that's activating more or or is it, you know, the western states, China, US? From a kind of client and customer point of view, and the US is, is leading the charge. Seem to be uh, kind of bolder in their budgets and um, uh, kind of going at it a bit quicker. Um, but we're, you know, we're seeing uh, growth in, in all markets and uh, all of our all of our own kind of innovation comes from our own R&D team which are sitting in London uh, they're all as I think I mentioned kind of ex, ex-Cambridge guys and, and girls so it's it's um, yeah it's you know I think the clients are innovating the, the, the platforms are innovating and, and, and we we really love where we found ourselves within the industry of, of having that software side and, and being a platform but also actively using the platform and learning kind of you learn so much more from your mistakes and from things that are hard and then we can fold that all back in and then share our learnings with our with our group of, of Zatworks developers uh, are you see clients also thinking strategically about they're developing their own AR cloud so like a bucket of assets um, you know, that, that's a bigger strategy and maybe a harder concept for them to wrap their head around. But are, are some of them thinking long-term, I need to make all this stuff because we're going to be tagging the world? I think, well, there's been lots of talk about um, the AR cloud here, uh, and I think it's a fascinating topic. Um, in terms of, from a sort of what, what clients can do today, thinking about uh, efficiencies with their assets, um, 
and sharing them across departments and you know big corporates lots of them have got all of these 3d assets but you know the, the team in one country won't know that they're that they've got them I think there's a, there's, a, there's a great business in a kind of 3D asset repository for big companies. Because um, 3D is such an important part of these immersive technologies. It, it, you know, it's all 3D creative. Uh, but I you know, get the impression that within big companies, those 3D assets are, are quite fragmented. So a way of centralizing those would there'd be a lot of budgetary efficiencies in that. That's great. And um, where can we learn more about what Zapier's doing? You can head to zappa.com. Um, I would uh, uh, advise that you check out the blog. We put a lot of love into the blog. We post every week. Um, so yeah. And that's Z-A-P-P-A-R. Z-A-P-P-A-R for augmentedreality.com. Nice. Zap A-R. There we go. Yeah, that's right. And, um, and the, you guys actually use, use the R as opposed to your name. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Which is a A-W-E-S, which makes no sense to me. <laughs> also, our, our, our CEO is called Kasper, or Kaspar, because he's Danish. So, there we go. It was meant to be. <laughs> so, everybody has funny spelling, is what you're saying? <laughs> and what about tweeting and blogging and things like that? Any uh, fun things there happening? From a Zapper perspective, uh, you can catch us uh, at, at ZapperApp on Twitter, uh, also, um, check out our Instagram stories, at Zapper app. Um, I'm new to Instagram stories and I'm loving it. So uh, there's going to be a, a lot of those. And if you're into it, check it out. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Max. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When's the last time you shopped at a mall? How will we do our holiday shopping or even buy toilet paper in 10 years? Listen for ShopCast, talking retail strategy. We'll explore the massive changes happening in retail. Join retail expert Michael Dark and his guests who help you understand these dramatic shifts and predict what the retail landscape of tomorrow will look like. If you're interested in the future of retail, tune in on Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Dot com.
In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody. It's Lori H. Schwartz, your Tech Cat, and I am interviewing live on the floor of Augmented World Expo, and I am here with Martin Tobias, who is the CEO Dimenco. of... Dimenco. Of Dimenco. Um, and Dimenco just had some, some great announcements to make, so we're here to find out what the story is. So tell us all about Dimenco. Ah, thank you, Lori. Yeah, so my name is Martin Tobias. I'm the CEO of Dimenco. Uh, what we present at AWE is, is simulated reality. And simulated reality stands for an experience that you cannot distinguish from reality. And that's actually what we're showing at AWE. We show a virtual uh, reality without any wearables. So we believe in a world where you don't use any wearables to have a virtual experience. Uh, and how we do that is by using an autostereoscopic or a 3D display where you have virtual objects uh, in front of the screen. You can look around the object, but you can also move the object and even feel a feel a virtual object and we're doing that with our partner Ultra Haptics oh Ultra Haptics okay uh, I've seen some demos with them at CES yeah where you're waving over things and it bounces back and makes things move and <laughs> I know what I mean anyway <laughs> and, and so this is back to that concept of 3D TV in a way yeah, in a way it is. So uh, what we do is we actually create a lenticular or an optical layer in front of the LCD. We use an 8K panel and by this lenticular overlay and we track your eyes, we know where your position is and we can make sure that you have a clear 3D image. And if we, know if, if we can create a clear 3D image, we can actually have objects or virtual objects floating in front of the screen. And that's quite a cool in, uh, experience. So is the idea that I'll have one of these uh, stereoscopic screens in my house? And I'll, and I'll experience it like that? Uh, in a way. but So it's not a TV, uh, but it's more what you can see as a monitor or where you have a virtual assistant or where you have a unique gaming experience. So, so it's not um, to replace your main entertainment experience. It's, it's for delivery of information in different ways? Exactly. So we actually define three value propositions. One is a gaming proposition, which is maybe logical, uh, but you can imagine if you, have a, if you are, having, uh, are playing a game and you can interact with virtual objects in midair, that's quite cool. Secondly, we believe in a personal assistant or a social intelligent device, what we call it, because we can actually create a real person or almost a real person rendered in, uh, in, in animation and where you can interact with. But because the person is sticking out, you can look someone in, your eye, in his eyes, which really feels like you're communicating with a real person. 
And thirdly, we see this as a transformation of user interface. So in the past, you had a keyboard, then there was the introduction of the mouse, people introduced touch, and this way, you can actually interact with objects virtually in midair in 3D, and that will change, in our opinion, how you interact with devices uh, in general. And will the interaction um, of the device, that's where you're going to be uh, working with Ultra Haptics? Is it their haptics technology that's allowing some sort of response with your your 3D elements? Exactly. So for us, simulate reality is triggering all your senses. Uh, so that means visual. That's what we do. Uh, that's our core technology. Of course, sound is a very uh, important one, but touch is also an important one. And that's where Ultra Haptics steps in. They are providing the touch element of triggering the senses. So I'm watching, I'm actually in front of your one of your screens now, and I see an ultra haptics board, and the gentleman, it's a game of some kind, I guess, the gentleman is looking very, uh, you know, virtual. <laughs> I don't know if I would call him a gentleman, he's, he's, he looks like a he's warrior, an executor yeah. uniform, he's a warrior, and there's objects he's holding, and now I can go and reach out and touch the object, which I'm waving my hand over an ultra um, optics uh, screen, touch the thing. Yeah, touch pad. Touch pad. I'm going to feel something back or it's just going to respond? No, yeah. so what you feel is actually ultrasound waves, which is some kind of, uh, let's say for uh, simply said, some air haptic. So you feel when you try to touch an object, you feel uh, uh, haptic feedback, which means that you know if you can press it harder or softer. That's the idea. And who are your clients then? Are they gaming companies, um, you know, technology companies? Like, who's coming to you to execute on an experience? That's a good question. So we will launch a development kit in Q1 2019, uh, where we integrate all the devices and sensors in one device. Uh, and we target mainly on uh, game developers, but also on visualization companies, uh, design companies. Uh, and we believe we have a, a right to play in a personal assistant, but really a personal assistant. So not only... A, uh, a speaker that you talk to, but a real person that you can talk to. So will it be an artificial intelligence person, or will it just be, you know, VoIP basically shooting me, but I'll be, you know, 3D-ish? No, it will be an artificial intelligent person, which you can also imagine, uh, and that's what we show, that concept we show, we hope to show Q1, um, is that if you have a device and someone else in the world has a device, that you're actually filmed in VR, so someone sees the other person in real life, but you can draw something in midair jointly. So you can you imagine that you, in front of the screen, you join, you uh, you draw a house, or your little girl draws a house, and somewhere else in the world, a person looks at the screen, sees this house drawn in midair, and she can actually draw a room, or uh, sorry, a window or a door, and the other person sees that again. So you can really immersify how you work together. So okay, so it, so you can all work together on a similar object in your environment. In midair, so it's in midair, so not just on a on a screen or a touch screen. In midair, you can work with things, you can look around an object. Of course, that's also not possible with normal technology. So that's a cool thing. Can can the um, the virtual assistant have an Australian accent? Anything, any accent that you want. Okay, good. <laughs> I've set my Siri to have a okay. Australian accent because I have a little Australian accent problem. Um, so, where do you see yourselves in the next year? Uh, so we see ourselves next year. So we will launch a development kit. Uh, again, for a lot of technologies, we depend on third parties like Ultra Haptics. Uh, we so we develop a uh, development kit. We are making a standardization or a platform available. We expect in Q4 2019, the big, first big consumer electronics company adapting this and bringing a product to the market. 
Well, that's wonderful. And do you have someone in mind already or are you uh, talking to? Yes, we have someone in mind and we are talking to some uh, a big company um, and that goes actually very well. Um, it, can you tell me who that company rhymes with? Uh, <laughs> too bad, no. <laughs> and, and just in terms of trends, because um, I haven't really seen anything else like this at the show, are you sort of the only ones doing this right now? Uh, you know, or is there competition in the space? Uh, we know that other companies are working on it, uh, but I think we are the first company that can really show it and uh, uh, show the concept and message the concept. And, and this is just an observation I've made from doing a lot of technology tours at the Consumer Electronics yeah. Show. Is 3, 3D TV has sort of a bad name, right? Because it came out with a splash and then never went anywhere. Are you dealing with any sort of negative uh, sort of uh, halo from its early inception a couple of years ago when people didn't really dig in? Yes and no. So that's why we don't target it or uh, position it as 3D. We position it more as holographic or more as what we call simulated reality. So it's not our uh, idea to create a 3D image. It's an idea to create a world that you cannot distinguish from reality. And I think that's uh, where we actually see that a lot of people say, this makes sense. Right. So you're not selling a new TV. You're creating a new environment, a new interface, um, a new kind of interaction. Exactly. Yeah, very well said. That's really cool. And is there a region um, that you think will take this on sooner? Obviously, you're in the U.S. right now, but you have an accent, so... <laughs> ah, you could tell. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are based in Europe. Uh, our parent company is actually from China. Uh, in China, we see that the uh, adaptation of technologies goes very quickly. So we definitely see a quick adaptation there. Uh, but North America and uh, Europe are, for us, also target markets. And wh why do you think China is developing so fast? Uh, I think... In essence they uh, are easier to adopt technology and more willing to uh, adopt technology quicker that's a bit what we see and also government controlled so it can be kind of pushed through a bit right no i don't think that's the i think, think that's it no i think in the culture of in china uh, they leapfrog a bit so i think they are more willing to adapt technology which is not even fi finished till till the let's say 100 they eat they already accept that they can do something different and I think in the Western markets, it should be 100% perfect before things become successful. Right, that, that totally makes sense. And I can totally see this experience walking into, say, an auto dealership and interfacing with uh, an artificial intelligence situation like this because those are environments that could really use more additional support yeah. to deliver information in a really exciting interface. Yeah, that's absolutely a good example. But you can also imagine that you're, let's say, in elderly homes where people are really lonely. If you can make a uh, device which is almost a look-alike person where you can interact with, with like a normal person and uh, touch a real person, that could solve a lot of uh, issues probably there. Or cause new ones, Martin. <laughs> that's really interesting. The setup here is really cool and this is very unique. And I love seeing all these different technologies together. So congratulations for all this. Thank you. So, so, Martin, where can people read more about it and learn more about it? Uh, visit uh, www.simulatedreality.com. And that's where you can find all the information. And you can subscribe to a newsletter so we can also keep you posted about our development kit. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. When's the last time you shopped at a mall? 
How will we do our holiday shopping or even buy toilet paper in 10 years? Listen for ShopCast, talking retail strategy. We'll explore the massive changes happening in retail. Join retail expert Michael Dart and his guests who help you understand these dramatic shifts and predict what the retail landscape of tomorrow will look like. If you're interested in the future of retail, tune in on Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public. Listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, it's Lori H. Schwartz here, your Tech Cat, and we are still at the Augmented World Expo um, recording live on the show floor with a variety of fabulous people, and we are here with Jay Iorio, whose name I love because it's a cookie, who's the Director of Innovation for the IEEE, and you're going to tell us all about that organization and what you guys do. Jay? Hello, uh, I'm Jay Iorio. The IEEE is uh, a, uh, an organ- a wide-ranging organization, a membership organization of engineers. The group that I work in is Standards, and we have published a lot of standards over the years, the 802 standards for networking and a bunch of others. Um, My particular job is to be the futurist, and my job is to sort of look a generation ahead, and the specific technologies I really focus on are some of the ones that we see here, um, AR, VR, and uh, 
uh, different mixes of that, but illusory technologies, and um, how they combine with the Internet of Things, for example, and artificial intelligence over the next generation. And I'm thinking that these these tend to converge into a technology for which we currently have no name, but it's sort of a, a, a sentient environment, so that the the sensors will constantly be picking up. They could be our clothing. They could be things that we wear. Uh, they could be the buildings we walk through, the city streets we walk down. And it's constantly picking up information. It's being filtered through artificial intelligence and machine learning to basically give you the content in AR that you want. So I'm thinking not so much of vertical markets, which is what obviously we're focusing on here, but more um, general purpose, full-time AR. That's sort of like your eyeglasses that you put on in the morning. And, you know, the system serves you a constant diet of curated content that learns about your behavior, your health, and various other factors, and, um, and more and more closely feeds what, what, you, what it thinks you want to you. Um, there are... Traditionally, IEEE has been involved only in the technical aspects, and that's what we're largely known for, is sort of foundational standards and um, hardware and things like that. <clears throat> but we've expanded a lot in the last several years, and part of it is because of these technologies. I think they, <clears throat> they stake out a different terrain than previous technologies. Um, they really are going to affect pretty much every market, every... Um, every endeavor that we engage in and um, there are some serious ethical issues with a full-time illusion that you live in so um, one of the many initiatives at the IEEE is um, the uh, what we're calling ethically aligned design and it's a, a large um, over 200 maybe 250 AI experts and so forth we've divided it into about a dozen subcommittees I'm the co-chair of the Mixed Reality Committee, and these are some of the issues we're dealing with. Not so much AR as it exists today in the exhibit hall, but AR as it's sort of bound to evolve over the next generation, um, where it's not really a discrete technology anymore. It's intertwined with other technologies that have their own issues, and especially when they combine, it becomes sort of this meta-technology that has a lot of implications and the potential for a lot of unintended consequences. So the IEEE has, in the last decade, has really been seeing itself more as a neutral venue for not only collaboration um, and, and, and other parts of the IEEE are, IEEE is I think the major, the biggest technical publisher in the world, so it, it's a big organization. Um, but the social implications of these technologies are harder and harder to avoid. Um, and uh, we feel that because of our neutrality, we don't have commercial motivation, we're, we're really oriented towards the people who create the technologies and the good for society. Um, our, our motto is technology for the benefit of humanity, and um, we, we really take that to heart. We feel as though it's not only just a a good thing to do. It's sort of an obligation. Um, these are extraordinarily powerful technologies when they evolve as they will. Uh, we don't know the specifics. I mean, nobody can know that, but 25 years ago, we said people are going to have wearable computers, and we didn't know what form it would take. We didn't realize it would be the cell phone. Right, right, right. 
Right. Let me ask you a question, because um, what you're saying is kind of blowing my mind up. <laughs> um, as, a, as a futurist, let's start there. You're looking five to ten years out, is that right? Um, it's, it's hard to say. I, I tend to think of it as a generation out. Um, you know, sort of look back at... <clears throat> Um, 1985, and a similar distance. Um, things will look very similar on the, on the surface. Um, if you had looked at the world in 1975, let's say, it would look very much like the world of today. The fire hydrants, the don't walk signs, all of these little accoutrements of the street, they're all the same. But if you could see radio waves, you'd realize we're living in a completely different world. And I have a feeling that that same pattern will progress so that by 2050, which sounds like the next, you know, millennium, but it's really not that far. Um, and, you know, we'll probably walk down a city street and it'll look very much like what it looks like now until you put on your glasses. And then you're going to see enhanced content. You're going to see what we now call a Twitter feed sort of integrated with, you know what I mean? Um with the architecture um, and that'll be a big design challenge I mean among many other things how do you integrate content with a, a built with the with built environment um, but you don't want ads slapping you in the face constantly that's not going to work commercially and, and from a user standpoint um, so to, to answer your question I think in terms of a, a big hump of development which is probably about 20 years something like that um, between between 10 and 30 years from now. And, and, and some pieces will look the same and some will be different. It's just amazing even when you watch a movie and you see someone going up to a payphone booth and you're like, a payphone booth, and you're like, what is that? You know what I mean? Or, um, so there, there's funny things like that, but then the rest of the street makes sense from, from what you're saying. So then is the goal of the organization and you as the futurist then... To, to sort of gather everyone around and point things in the most positive direction possible? Um, I like to be positive without being a cheerleader, and I like, to be, uh, I like to be skeptical without being negative. I think there's a, there's a middle ground there where we're talking to, to peers and people doing interesting work, and they're all... All the ones that I meet are very concerned about the implications of their work, but often, you know, companies don't aren't focused on that for understandable reasons. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would say that that it's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's positive. It's positive. <laughs> um, are there um, particular um, businesses or categories that you see that are moving through this with all that consideration and then other categories that aren't just inherent in, in what their business is? I'd say, you know, at this point, a lot of it is, is vertical activity. And, and I don't think that they have the same ethical issues as the kind of futuristic scene we're talking about. Um, the, the, it's more safety and, and, and very straightforward things. Um, but in the longer term, uh, <laughs> It just gets vastly more complicated. I would say that healthcare is one of the areas that's going to be revolutionized. Everything from diagnostics through AI to um, uh, I was talking to somebody earlier about a friend of mine at USC who, who works in uh, virtual reality for post-traumatic stress. Very successfully, actually. It's, it's been installed in VA hospitals around the country. Um, people working uh, and having high rates of success for anxiety disorders and so forth. And the people I talk to in that field seem to be very acutely aware of the implications of what they do. 
That's great. So that's a category I hear about a lot um, in, in both VR and NAR. Um, and, and what about, um, do you have any opinion, just because you are sitting in this sort of interesting perspective, about the impact of all this for kids? Um, because I have heard various things. I have too. Um, one of the one of the things on my list is to search out the literature of studies that have been done, especially with uh, screen activity with children. I was asked this yesterday on the panel, and um, I'm not altogether clear that people under the age of 12 are, are having. The, it's going to have the same effect on them. Um, there's a good a good reason to believe that it it, it could it could be damaging. I mean. Um, I, I mentioned, I, you know, yesterday I said, you know, I grew up with typewriters. And so even though I'm very familiar with the, the, the technology, I still have a memory of, you know, there, there's still a distinction between today and the technology. You know, I, 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 I see how it's been imposed on life. Yeah. And children don't have that when they're, they're raised using iPads and so forth. There's no, there's no context, which is what I find, that my 8-year-old loses herself inside the screen and she doesn't have the history of being able to interpret the information. And so that's what, where I struggle, pulling her out, you know, and, and helping her understand, no, that's not real, you know. That's, that's right. And as it becomes more and more realistic, especially with VR, let's say an 8-year-old with a VR headset on with the VR of 5 or 10 years from now, that's cinematic quality. Not only will that look real and have the same physiological effects as reality, but it, 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 I think, gets people used to the idea that we have more control over our reality than we really do. And I'm not sure that's the lesson to teach to children. It's almost more adapting to, to the reality, and uh, that's kind of what we've evolved to. Um, this is sort of an imposition of a different reality on top of that, and... Yeah, I do worry about about children with this. Uh, if I were a parent, I might just I might encourage them to read books or something. I know right. that's instead instead. What what um what about what's the what's the thing that you've seen most recently that's gotten you the most excited? Like either a certain uh, you know um, application of AR VR. Is there anything that you've just been like, oh my god, that was the greatest thing? Because everyone always talks about the aha moment where they finally understand this. For me, it was Buzz Aldrin. You know, talking about how he's going to get to Mars, and I was like, "Okay, I get it now." You know, so what? What for you has just you, even stepping outside of your innovation role and just you as the J, the human? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'm always seeing remarkable things. I'm seeing VR experiences that scare me, um, that shouldn't, that I know are not real, but that my, I, I respond physiologically the same way. Um, personally. The thing that will really blow my mind is when somebody figures out a way to do cinema in virtual reality. And I, I know some, some people who are trying to work on that. Um, I, I, I talk regularly with some folks at the USC Film School, at, which is one of the few film schools where they're actually addressing this. Because um, a lot of filmmakers don't see it as related. Uh, and um, I think you could have some remarkable storytelling capabilities um, that could change people's lives. Um, VR cinema is a potentially extremely powerful thing, uh, and it, it sort of blends with the world in a way. It, it, the, the distinctions between these experiences, I think, dissolve in VR. So I don't have a specific... I didn't put on a headset one day and go, oh, my God, I love VR. Yeah, you know? yeah. um, it's been, that's been going on for a while. Um, but I haven't seen... 
I, I, I think that's what keeps me optimistic because I haven't really seen what I know this stuff can do yet. Right. And when you, so again, you're a standards organization, so then are you looking to standardize file formats in AR or as you mentioned, UI and the interfaces or, you know, what part of this are you, role are you hoping to play for AR? any of those rules. I think that there are foundational technical standards that are going to allow this stuff to be glued together. So IEEE is a natural place to do that work. Um, but in addition, there are best practices. You know, some of this stuff isn't quite ready for standardization yet because it's it's not gelled. It isn't altogether clear how you're going to achieve certain things or which technology is going to make the job work. Um, so fortunately, IEEE has a, a spectrum of ways you can approach the organization. You can either go to the traditional standards thing and let's say we're going to standardize a file format or a, a protocol or something and we're open for that for sure. But in addition, there might be white papers, there, there might be you know, recommended practices, um, all kinds of things that are more suited to the development stage of the, of the technology that could really be helpful and help maybe, maybe guide it you know, through the the, the collective thoughts of the experts in the field. Where can we learn more about what you're doing? Um. <laughs> <laughs> the, the IEE website, IEE. IEEE, IEEE dot org. Uh, you can go to standards.ieee.org, which will take you right to some of that stuff. And, and follow the links, and you'll see the ethically aligned design work. Um, you'll see the, the, the well, we have a, a project, called, a thing called Industry Connections, which allows people to, to do sort of standards-like activity, but in technologies that are not quite there yet, sort of preliminary work. And all of that stuff is readily available on the website, and uh, you're always free to get in touch with me, J.I. Oreo, and I'll talk your ear off about any of it. <laughs> so Jay is the uh, director of innovation or head of innovation at the IEEE, which is a standards organization, really helping to guide all of this new technology um, properly um, for good, right? Good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When's the last time you shopped at a mall? How will we do our holiday shopping or even buy toilet paper in 10 years? Listen for ShopCast, talking retail strategy. We'll explore the massive changes happening in retail. Join retail expert Michael Dark and his guests who help you understand these dramatic shifts and predict what the retail landscape of tomorrow will look like. If you're interested in the future of retail, tune in on Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. 
Each week on CTN, CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoke All at CIOTalkNetwork.com. In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Lori H. Schwartz, your Tech Cat here, and I am interviewing live on the show floor of Augmented World Expo, and standing in front of me is Wolfgang Stetzel. Okay, from Reflect, and he is the CEO. Tell us all about Reflect. So hi, um, thank you, thank you for being here. We uh, are a Munich-based company um, doing an enterprise platform for uh, augmented reality, and uh, what we do is basically serving industry companies with maintenance operations and uh, service use cases in a way that they can really roll it out on a global scale. And the, the software platform we are offering to, the, in, to these industry customers is based on existing technical documentation engineering systems so that they can reuse data and make them available in augmented reality. Oh, that sounds so interesting. Um, so give me a case study, an example. So one of our clients is uh, Leibold. Leibold is uh, producing the vacuum pumps for hyperloop transportation technologies. And uh, they are using our software to create content for maintaining the vacuum pumps. So imagine you don't have, like the, your, your entire workforce does not always have the knowledge to maintain the pump. And typically, they would then dig into very long traditional manuals to find out how to maintain that machine, or they would would call an expert. With the solution we provide, they recognize the physical vacuum pump, and then they get step-by-step instructions in augmented reality on uh, what to check one after each other. So check oil level, 
um, um, check um, the the uh, water, um, check the the pressure, um, and once you've done all that, you could, for instance, send a report to back to the system that you've done everything and you maintained the machine, and that's all superimposed over the real vacuum machine, so that you basically cannot do any mistake an anymore, and you cannot. Um, like you don't need to have the knowledge up front. Um, the, the, the software is guiding you. And are you providing the, the basically the dashboard for the company to build this out, or you know what is it exactly that you're providing? So our software is being used to make or to to um, to create such a use case. Typically, companies they have traditional manuals um, and they they print it. Um, and provide it together with the machine to the customer. They have it as an HTML website or as a PDF. And um, either they write those or this technical documentation on their own, so they have a technical writing department, or they have a service provider um, who is doing the technical documentation for them. So what we do is we enable the technical writer with the existing software systems to reuse their content and make it available in augmented reality. So the advantage is no software developer has to be um, um, or ha has to, to, to do... To be trained. You don't have to be trained. Tra to be trained. It, and, and it's basically the guy knowing how a machine operates, the guy knowing how you, how you repair a machine, he is writing the documentation. He is enabled um, to create the content. And we do that because he doesn't... like. He doesn't need to learn a new system because he's, he's continuing using his system and only has a different, another export channel in augmented reality. So that's what our platform does. Okay, so, uh, so in their own software, they're doing this and then they're using yours as the export correct, portion? Correct, correct. We, we basically provide a so-called middleware. Um, okay, we integrate okay. into their system. And then our, our client, our, our runtime client, um, is basically interpreting the data the technical writer has created. And then the field technician, for instance, or the trainee um, can take his phone, his tablet, or some smart glasses to kind of visualize that content in the real-world environment. And is there um, a particular uh, business category that's been leveraging you the most, or are you finding that all businesses are coming to you? Uh, we're finding that all businesses are coming to us, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all businesses equally mature. Um, so we find that, um, especially if, uh, in the in training environments, um, our platform is being used a lot um, because you write the content for a controlled environment where you can test with your people and you can reuse the same content for services later on. So most companies kind of start their activities in augmented reality with our software platform for training environments. The other use case which is scaling quite good and we offer a reflect uh, a, a, a remote assistance tool to that is the whole market of, of remote expert remote assistance where a field technician is real-time communicating with an expert and then they annotate the screen so they basically don't create any type of content but they get in touch with augmented reality. Um, so that's kind of the first very scalable um, and, touch And when point. you say a field technician, is that like someone coming to my house to fix something and he'll be able to look something up in that environment? Or is it more B2B? It's more B2B. Okay. Um, it's a, a technician which is working on a machine. The machine is failing and today he would call a call center. 
Um, and what we do is we provide him with an application where he basically only clicks one single button and the application knows where does he where where is he currently located, which language is he using, on which machine is he working. And based on all of that metadata, he, um, the application is routing him to the right expert so they can start communicating and then they can... Um, they can annotate the screen um, and, and just communicate, collaborate more efficiently than they would have ever done that before on the phone. Okay, so, that, so that's not necessarily AR, though, but that is a subset of correct. the overall sort of it's world you're operating in. Correct. That's a subset, and that's kind of the entry level. Um, that's a very scalable thing. You don't need to create uh, the content. You can start. And um, what, what's, uh, But what our customers are saying is, ideally the um, field technician can solve the problems on his own without calling an expert. That's where we want to go to. Now, because we offer the Reflect um, One um, content creation platform, we can deliver that vision to the customer. Hey, start with a remote assistance solution and grow with us, create more and more content over time in order to eliminate or in order to reduce the necessity for the field technician to call the expert. So you're going to help them build a library of Correct. assets. Correct. Um, and then this is the bigger story at the show, which is basically a cloud of AR assets. That, that people are pulling from. Now, are you um, are you finding that you know Germany is where it's all happening, or it's, is this is a global play? That's why you're in the U.S. right now. Are there certain regions that are adopting this faster? I would generally say it's a global play. Um, there are several hotspots around the world. I would say United States definitely one. Um, I, I do think Germany is also a hotspot for augmented reality. Israel and China. Um, why is Germany a good uh, country to be in? Um, a, because there's a lot of AR expertise with a lot of good research institutes. And uh, you may know a company called Metayo who got acquired by Apple in 2015. So there is a lot of expertise. Plus, there is a big market because there's a lot of industry customers who are applying the technology in their environments. Um, so uh, that's why, why we founded in Germany. We grew out of Germany and are now expanding to the United um, States to kind of bring that knowledge which we gathered in the German market um, to the customers here. And are, are businesses um, understanding and adopting this quicker now? You know, there's been movement in the marketplace, say, from a year ago. Well, um, I always say two years ago we had slides in our customer PowerPoint presentation um, with the headline, What is Augmented Reality? Um, we don't have these slides today anymore because most customers approaching us, they know what augmented reality is, they know what the general benefit is, and then there's only two types left. That's the customers who did prototypes and pilot projects already, and they are now searching for a company like Reflect to be able to roll it out um, and to do that very cost-efficiently. Or there's customers who haven't explored their use case yet and don't know their return of invest and would then do a pilot project. But we do see more and more customers getting from that pilot stage into the rollout phase. That's great. Where can we learn more about Reflect? Well, we do have a lot of information in the internet. We do um, write a blog, or we do we do fill a blog with content, um, with knowledge about augmented reality in general, and about our services and our partners and the developments on the market itself. We do offer a lot of white papers for the areas we're working in, training, operations, and maintenance. Um, and then we're attending conferences like the Augmented World Expo, so you can meet us there. So it's uh, re-flekt.com. 
That is Refle- correct. Re- Re-flack.com. Re- Re-flack.com with a K, correct. With, with a K. And then um, are you on social media or are your people blogging or tweeting or doing anything like that? Yes, the blog is integrated in the Reflect.com website, um, but we, we are uh, active on social media. We have a Twitter channel, weareAR.com, and we have a Facebook page, LinkedIn page, so you can find us everywhere. So we've been talking to Wolfgang Stetzel, the CEO of Reflect, um, which is a enterprise solution for augmented reality, uh, really setting up uh, companies to leverage the latest in, in AR, um, coming in, flying hot in from Germany. <laughs> and is everybody who's doing AR as young as you are? You seem really young to me, but like advanced young. Advanced young. Well, I'm 35, so... It's oh God, that's young. <laughs> uh, I think it's very different. Uh, yes, there's startups coming up with pretty young people. Um, we do that since um, almost eight years now, so we're not that young anymore, but we're also not the oldest in the space. I would say we're kind of average. <laughs> but it's a hot space for people to get involved. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think no matter what the forecasts say and when the, the numbers will be like a hundred billion or whatever I think no one really doubts that it is going to happen and it is going to be a growing uh, market um, for for uh, for us and, and also for a lot of other folks out there uh, uh, augmented reality is changing a lot of um, uh, operational things a lot, a lot of a lot in our day to day life um, so that's why it's so interesting to be in there but it's also a complex technology and you shouldn't underestimate what's um, um, what it comes with in terms of efforts and knowledge and costs and so on and so forth. That's great. Thank you so much, Wilking. Laurie, thank you very much. <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When's the last time you shopped at a mall? How will we do our holiday shopping or even buy toilet paper in 10 years? Listen for ShopCast, talking retail strategy. We'll explore the massive changes happening in retail. Join retail expert Michael Dart and his guests who help you understand these dramatic shifts and predict what the retail landscape of tomorrow will look like. If you're interested in the future of retail, tune in on Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. 
In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. This is Lori H. Schwartz, your Tech Cat, and I am continuing to interview live at the Augmented World Expo on the show floor. And I have right now with me the fabulous Ian Kelso, who's the co-founder of Impossible Things, doing a lot of interesting work in immersive content. Tell us all about Impossible Things. Ah, great. Thank you very much, Lori. Um, we started Impossible Things uh, around one particular project, and that was to find a new way to engage people in art museums and to help them to um, find a new context to be able to connect with old classic paintings. So uh, we use augmented reality and we effectively brought the paintings to life by recasting them with a modern day lens. And so you hold up your smartphone, you see a scene that looks similar to the original, but it's got a brand new spin on it. So, for example, one of the paintings is of a, uh, a famous old Italian count- countess, the Mar- Marchesa Cassati. And she's famous for being famous. She's sort of like a, a Kardashian of her day. Uh, in fact, she commissioned herself 120 different portraits, oil paintings of herself. And her dying wish was to be a living work of art. And so we recast her, looking very close to the original, but in 3D, holding up a selfie stick and taking pictures of herself. So who who is your client in that case? Is it the museum? Yes, it was actually the Art Gallery of Ontario, which is uh, Canada's largest art museum. And they were looking at a new way, really, to approach millennials. You know, people are spending less and less time actually looking at art in museums. And uh, a study was done by the Metropolitan Museum of Art, uh, a few years back, and uh, the number was 17 seconds that people actually spent looking at paintings when they actually stopped to look at a painting, and that included like the famous works. And so that that time, that engagement time, was decreasing and decreasing, and social media was making it worse. So you know, with Instagram, you get used to just dealing with so many images every day. It kind of devalues all images. Oh my God, that's so interesting. I didn't think about that. So it makes it not as special. Yeah, you look at art and you, you're trying to look for something relevant. Like you look through your Instagram feed or your Facebook feed to say, do I need to like this? And, you know, and then when you go to a museum, you kind of have your checklist of the, the famous works that I need to see. And maybe you take a picture of that painting or you take a selfie with that painting. But people have stopped looking 
and then stop, you know, pausing and reflecting on the content of the painting. So it's a real problem for art museums. Without engagement, you know, they are in danger of losing their, you know, especially with younger people, losing future membership, you know, losing, you know, when kids grow up and, you know, get jo- good jobs. They may not be contributors to museums anymore. So, you know, so there's a big threat for museums to, you know, have to find new ways of um, getting people to understand and to give them permission to interact with art. So was this like a test case with Ontario to see if uh, if they increased consumer engagement and then possibly they'll have you do many other paintings? Or how does a, the business model work for something like that? Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting working with a big public institution um, because on the one hand, this is a huge risk for them. You know, they invested... Uh, a fairly substantial amount of money into the creation of this because all these works were recreated, you know, with three D models. Oh wow! Okay, so okay. It's very labor, very labor intensive. So you guys are a full functioning agency that you have technology, you have creatives, you have the strategy, you have all these these things. Yeah, we're we don't really call ourselves an agency. We call ourselves a creative technology shop because we're developing experiences at the same time we're developing products and tools. So all those things kind of run in tandem. And when you're working, we're working in augmented reality, and that's our main focus. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, an industry and a a set of technologies that are really just getting off the ground. You know, it's very nascent as an industry. So it means, you know, we don't really know what the rules are, and we don't really know what the tools are that we need to use. So we have to do, we have to make a lot of them up as we go along. Um, So we see the opportunities not to just sort of, service clients and you know just create experiences for them but to actually work in collaboration with partners and use those opportunities to you know figure out a you know what works technologically and what works with the end users with the experience but b you know what are those specifications for the kind of tools we're going to need to create the next experiences and the next experience so it's not, you don't see yourselves as vendors, you're partnering with the museum to create new IP, to create new format, exactly. in a way. Um, what, what else do you see coming down the pike for AR? Um, you know, is there anything in particular that, you know, a trend or something that's really intriguing to you? Um, I think, I mean, I think AR is actually going to change a whole lot more than we could ever really imagine, because... When you think of it, AR is a step into a completely different dimension, literally. You know, we're, for the first time, creating content um, with AR and VR, sort of XR, as it's being called now, as the first sort of native 3D media format that, you know, we've ever had as human beings. We've created 3D films before, but they're actually, you know, on 2D. So it's kind of like a 2.5D experience. But in 3D... You know, we're creating things that seem to have presence in our real world. You know, very soon, you know, we're going to be able to basically, you know, bring characters to life around us that, you know, seamlessly embed themselves or live in the same space that we're in. And I think that's going to really upend our whole idea of, you know, what storytelling is. And, you know, in some ways we're going to step back to that pre-literate culture you know, where, you know, we gathered around the campfire and had spiritual experiences, you know, in sort of physical 3D, you know, interacting with other people. It's a very theatrical thing. But when you marry that to, you know, 
the internet and you know speed of light technologies you know suddenly you know you've got the possibilities of creating a world that's got so many different layers and dimensions that you know the world is your screen and you know you can do almost anything you want with it so i think it opens up opportunities to create a kind of communication that we haven't really imagined yet so are you um, expanding out to uh, other verticals with other AR um, cases? Is there anything else you can share with us? Uh, yeah, we've certainly been having conversations across a lot of different verticals. Um, you know, uh, I think what we did in the art museum, people responded to viscerally. And, you know, I think we managed to kind of find um, a way of delivering the experiences that you know, made people understand what the power of augmented reality could be, um, and that that's gotten us a, a lot of opportunity in things like retail and healthcare and public transportation and a number of verticals. Um, there's not, you know, we're working on one project we're really um, quite excited about in retail cosmetics, and right now it's a more strategic project to sort of look at all the consumer touch points in the physical retail environment. That's, a, that's a, such an exciting space because there's so much uh, fun to, to be had when you have the consumer right there. Yeah, and, and interestingly, AR is being used in retail a lot on the e-commerce side, and it's to de-risk the buying process. So I can try before I buy. I can put furniture in my house before I go to Ikea. You know, with cosmetics, I can, you know, uh, there's a Canadian company called Modiface, that L'Oreal just bought yeah. that allows you to do that virtual try-on. But we're kind of more interested in, you know, how do we reinvent merchandising in the physical retail space? So our customer is actually, you know, somebody who's, you know, making the in-store display systems for some of the big brands and some of the big retailers. And, you know, we're looking at, you know, how can we transform the space and transform it in a scalable way and one that can change depending on whether you want to sort of set some mood and tone or you want to help people navigate different parts of a store or you want to do product demonstrations or you want to, you know, offer a really, you know, fun and tactile kind of a promotion to get people to, you know, go motivate them to purchase. So there's, there's so many different things that we can do that are playful in that physical environment that we think it's more of an, an unexplored and exciting territory to, to work in. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it's ripe for opportunity for you. Um, when you come to a show like Augmented World Expo, um, are there any surprises for you here, or are you pretty much spending a lot of time digging into what the tech is? Because you, you have to know what, what's happening out there. Yeah, you know, it's exciting coming to a show because it's a new industry, you know, for one, it's just kind of finding others like you, you know. <laughs> other tall, very tall bald men. <laughs> well, maybe not precisely that, but other people who freakishly decided to dedicate their lives to, you know, this idea and this belief that, you know, this technology was going to be really important someday. So we've been working at it for two and a half years now. Um, and two and a half years ago when we started, it, it wasn't necessarily evident that everything would come together. Um, you know, luckily... Some of the big players like Google and Apple in the past year have come on stream and you know um, created technology platforms that they've gotten behind and said we're going to grow into. And then they've said that this is important. This is a technology that's going to change the future. So, so being here, you know, is great because it's just you know it's having that microcosm, that community, um, and you know, really having the opportunity to talk to other people and see sort of what their best practices are, how they solve problems. You know, it's a, you know, a little bit of it is, yeah, geeking out 
about that. Um, but also looking at some of the bigger sort of overarching questions of the future is like, you know, what is going to happen with headsets? You know, are people going to wear glass, smart glasses, AR glasses? You know, um, you know what? Uh, what are those technology drivers that are um, going to, you know, dictate which kinds of form factors people are going to use, or how how will smartphones, you know, change and evolve and improve with you know depth sensing and battery power and some of uh, the technologies that uh, are going to be really important to making the tech really usable. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying about problem solving because when you were talking about the museum solution, to me that was like, oh, he's solving classic problems, yeah. you know. So AR seems to be a path to that, or at least immersive tech. Uh, it's really critical to us uh, as a company that we look at, you know, what are we doing that's useful? Um, it's sometimes a little bit tempting when you have a new toy to play with that, you know, you create things because they have the, you know, whiz-bang factor that, you know, they can be a little bit gimmicky, but, you know, they kind of, you know, impress people and you can kind of pull them out and do tricks and say, you know, hey, check this out. So, but there's a danger that if that's what you, all you do, that you're not actually creating value. So uh, when we set out with any, you know, idea that we have, you know, we always look first at two things. Is it useful? And is it meaningful to somebody? Um, so we're really, you know, uh, intent on making sure that, you know, we're engaging in something that's value creation and not just, you know, creating tech for the, for the sake of it. Right, that makes sense. Where can we learn more about Impossible Things? Uh, you can go to our website at impossiblethings.co. And uh, you can look us up on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, Instagram, or it's uh, sort of impossible uh, things co uh, on both. Um, and and you are you? Uh, I know you're you're ha you have a presence in the digital community in Canada. Are you blogging and tweeting and doing all that? Uh, I'm not doing as much as I, I should because we're a very small team and uh, I'm you're on, making a living. <laughs> yeah, and I'm on the road a lot, and uh, you know um, I do post uh, to, to Facebook occasionally. Um, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a blog or anything. But. <laughs> oh, well, it's great to get perspective from, you know, how you are solving problems using immersive tech. So we've been talking to Ian Kelso from Impossible Things. And check it out, impossiblethings.co. Um, and hopefully we'll uh, see more great things coming from you guys uh, as you help to, uh, to save the world. <laughs> Thank awesome. you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Lori. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 